0: Welcome to Rooted Reasonings,
1: a podcast that explores plant based living,
0: holistic health and wellness from a diverse global perspective.
1: We hope these conversations inspire you to live your best life.
0: Hey guys, welcome to episode six of Rooted Reasoning. Tonight we are talking about Afro veganism, why the distinction is needed. We are going to hear from two dynamic black vegan chefs. They will share their thoughts on the importance of creating foods that resonate with our cultural traditions. You know, many of us like it spicy and flavorful. So Kitaka, are you excited?
1: Well, I mean, all along this, my excitement level is not that high. I mean, (laughs) I've had a day of being out and about, doing some work. You're yeah, always
0: doing the most.
1: And then, uh, just coming out from a show, mm-hmm. an hour-long show, dealing with mental health issue, and yeah. then coming on to the podcast. So, I'm I'm here and ready. You know, So and I'm ready to go forward. Um, for me, I'm more excited to really like dive into the historical context and, you know, to really show that, um, you know, a plant-based uh, a diet that is primarily plants and so on is actually a part of our, our history as African people. And, you know, I'm excited to dive into the topic in that context, but right now I could do it some rest.
0: <laughs> well, uh, I'm glad you, you said that because our first speaker, Puma, the founder of Aquamoon Vegan Catering in Guadalupe, really delves into just what you just said about um, plant-based Cuisine, plant-based lifestyle, plant-based nutrition being an ancestral practice that many Africans ate a primarily plant-based diet. Seldom did they eat freshly caught game.
1: Yeah, well, I guess we, we, that, that's a good way to segue into that clip from Puma. So um, we would hear that clip here now from Akamu, Akamun. And we'll be back with you guys in a bit. So taking this short clip from um, a very skillful and dynamic vegan chef out of Guadeloupe. And um, we'll be back with you guys in a bit.
2: Hello, good day. I am Puma, the creative chef of Akamon. Um It's an eco-vegan catering service based in Guadeloupe, an island of the French Caribbean. And um, Akamon actually means the red moon and is in reference to the Aka people of Central Africa veganism is about equality and showcasing black vegans or any other what they call minority vegan um, is a beautiful way to show and teach people about things they don't know because even in recent events, attempts to be inclusive on the food line Uh, sometimes turn into a strange cultural appropriation moment when you have bloggers that with no cultural knowledge of Caribbean or any Asian or whatever fruits and vegetables uh, are shockers in recipes that like sometimes leaves a lot of raised eyebrows you know the first vegan person I've ever met was a Rastafari living on my block. Long before being vegan was a trendy thing, it was there and the Rastafari movement or culture, as you please, uh, widely promoted this diet as a key for the black community to be healthy and to be able to build itself up. And you know, the vegan diet is an ancestral practice that is traced from the Indus Valley way back to 3300 BC. And so far as I know, as far as I know, sorry, traditional and pre colonial African diets were naturally plant based. And it's also known that pharaohs had a vegetarian diet that almost looked similar to the vegan diet that we know nowadays. but you know major shifts in history such as conio- colonialism, sorry, and slavery occurred, and he kept the Afro community away from its um, ancestral eating habits. And for example, only in Ethiopia, which is, by the way, the only African country that, that has never been colonized, has been able to keep a large array of plant-based food in its modern cuisine. So according to me, tracing on the Afro side of veganism is a way to pay my respects to the people that carried through and a tribute to our ancestral culture. Um, this is what I am trying to convey through my work with Akamun um, by cooking healthy. Afro-Centered Caribbean food using only ground provisions and local fruits and vegetables. Absolutely no grains. And it's also my way to pay respect to those who came before me and were naturally, holistically living and eating. A way to not forget who I am and a way to not forget my culture as a black woman, as a black person, as an African, and a way to not forget the traditions that run through my DNA.
0: Wow, I mean, Puma's take on Afro-veganism really resonated with me. I firmly believe that globalism and cultural appropriation of African traditions have relabeled the practice of veganism like this was something that was native to Africa. This is how we ate traditionally. Um, so this current, you know, movement or this trend, it's just it's part of us. It's it's, it's how we ate. It's how our ancestors ate. Um, so I'm really happy to see the Afro-veganism movement really promoting and advocating for people of color to eat a primarily plant-based diet.
1: Well, for me, I look at it like this, like sometimes I find like, even sometimes like the the labels and trying to fit into what the Western society do sometimes has us in a kinda bind. And it even takes us back to even when Malcolm X and some of the other people within the American struggle was like, you know, tying with what route should we go in, whether it's integration or, or isolation. And I mean, it, it, it's it's really deep because I think not just with food and whatever. There are a lot of things. If you go back in history to the part to the point where like a lot of the European countries went and conquered a lot of places within Africa. I mean, I. "Quote unquote, people like Alexander the Great. I don't know what made him great, but went into Africa, destroy libraries, take all kind of artifacts and so on, bring it back to Europe as if it was the new found gospel, shooter inspiration." And then now really colonize information because we have to really understand it. Uh, apart from just the colonization of the people which slavery, there was a serious colonization of information where, you know, the the the, the, the European powers that be at that, that, that time really monopolized the information and told a narrative that put them at the pinnacle and black people now kinda was displaced from where they are. You know, and I think, like, it's very important for us to really go back and trace right back to the roots. And I think that's why rooted reason is very important as well. Because, I mean, our common touched on certain things. But if we really go back to it, in the traditional African societies, meat and, de- well, first of all, dairy wasn't even mm, a part, part of the of diet. diet. No. So this they're taking cow milk and drink it and that kind of thing, eggs and all these things are not in their diet. A lot of the, even the even the animals were not even indigenous to the African, African continent. continent, you know. So, veg, so meat and so on was very occasional, rare. So them for a rare rare occasion, because they mainly if you watch the pyramid of the African diet, at the base of the pyramid will be leafy fruits and right. vegetables, whole grains, and all these things.
0: Seeds, flowers, yes.
1: A lot of water and so on, mm. you know, food that really promoted promoted health and wellness within the body, and I think. Right now, I would make this point, Leslie, like eating plant-based or eating it all, how the Rastaman and to talk about in the future, in the past, is actually you paying a greater homage to yourself as African and really connecting to your ancestry. Because, you know, like most of the times now we see things through the lens of how it has been branded by the agents of colonialism, colonization. So whether you want to be vegan, you want to be this and all of that. But the concept and the levity or the lifestyle behind, beyond that existed way beyond or way before the time now when we label, when the Western world label veganism. Yes. You understand? And I think it's very important for us to really understand that.
0: Truly. Um, and, and, and we do. And that is why we are bringing this episode to you because we want people to really understand that through slavery and colonialism, our dietary practices changed because once slaves were brought to America and the various islands within the Caribbean and South America, we were given the scraps, the leftovers from the master we were left to eat um, primarily starchy, rooted vegetables. And why? Because we had to work. So these foods enabled us to work for longer durations without getting hungry, right? So if you're out in the fields working all day in the hot sun, you had those rooted vegetables, which gave you, fortified you with the ability because they were slow burners, they were. you were able to work harder, you were able to work longer. However, nowadays, still keeping to these old dietary practices has left us obese, has left us with many chronic illnesses, has left us at a disadvantage.
1: Well, I mean, you made that point in the end. I think it's, it's very important for us to even understand the context, too, because... Let's say, for instance, eh, a large mass, like tons, thousands and thousands of Africans within the, the 15th century were taken from the continent and brought to the Caribbean. Now, when they brought to the Caribbean, primarily they, their role and responsibility was to act as, they were chattel. They were not even seen as human beings. They were chattel. Mm-hmm. They was property of the master, And their job was to work until they did to produce profit for the king the sugar cane plantations. Yes. I mean, although, listen to this eh? from, from, from my research earlier on, although the volcanic soils of the, the the two islands were very fertile, plantation owners were so eager to maximize profits for sugar that they preferred to import food from North America rather than to, to, to lose cane growing. So primarily, you know, salted meat and, and, and so on, and bread and certain things were heavy on the diet of the slaves, a lot of starch. And there were significant um, instances of severe malnutrition and starvation and a lot of chronic illnesses, food-related illnesses. And then the death rates and so on used to be high because in places like even France, like, uh, most slaves died within the first three years of being there due to the hard work, lack of proper diet and nutrition and so on. And you know, like, even like in the instances when the slaves were given provision grounds, it wasn't a big piece of land. And even when they started to grow the liquor provisions, they were so the, eco, the socio-economic state was so low that they had to go and sell that liquor food that they grow in the little food that they grew in the provision grounds to make a little money to have to buy other other stuff. So I mean, the way that we're eating now is really heavily tied to that. And even you as an American, understanding about like soul food and a lot of things that we really like lift up as part of the black culture, is actually not really a part of our roots is mainly some of the things that were the elements of our slave our right. colonial slavery past
0: yeah it was because that's the slave diet that we continue to hold and revere as our cultural traditions you know as our practices however these practices as for the most part been very detrimental to our health and well-being
1: and it's interesting to see that cuz i'm quoting from a book here from Uh, Moata Ashby, someone who really played a very crucial role in my journey of of, of taking my overall holistic health a little bit more serious. Um, He has some statistics here, interesting statistics, like in the United States, approximately 50% of all deaths are due to heart disease. Heart disease is the leading cause of death worldwide and is expected to increase in the next two decades. Cancer is the second leading cause of deaths in the United States. Cancer is responsible for approximately one-eighth of all deaths worldwide, and this figure is expected to increase in two decades. The World Health Organization listed the two most significant reasons for expected increase in heart disease and and cancer worldwide, as increased in smoking and the adoption of a westernized diet. The SAD diet, the standard American diet, (laughs) that diet that is filled with a lot of fat, Sugar, salt, and and yeah. starch, and so on, and is devoid of the many macro and micronutrients that we need from the fruits and the vegetables, the roughage, the fiber, and so on. And, and, and so, I think like it's very, 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 very crucial for us to really go on that journey, to really do some research, to understand that the ways that we are eating now, and we are the ways that we are addicted to eating now, is not really of our culture, our history, of our, it's not really a part of our identity. It's something that has been forced upon us. So our our way to really liberate ourselves is to really, you know, return to the ways that we we, we were really supposed to be eating.
0: Yes, and and that is why we are so proud to be a part of the Mm Afro-veganism movement. Um, And another great plant-based advocate that has really helped me on my journey is Layla Africa, and reading the passage as far as cravings and what they indicate was life-changing for me, and I'm just gonna read a few, right? So, it was shared that people or humans snack, in order to medicate their emotions, right? And that was like, hmm, okay. But then delving further, associating what the craving was and the emotion was an amazing experience because, listen to this, bread is said to be use to soothe feelings of insecurity and dissatisfaction. So the next time you are craving a piece of bread or toast or something you know, like bready and flour, like really sit back for a second and, and feel into yourself and see, hmm like, like why? Like how do I feel like what just happened? Um, chewy snacks cravings are said to relieve tension and stress so similar activity next time you're you know craving like a um, a chocolate bar or chewy chocolate bar or a chewy chocolate cookie really think about what triggered or what happened or your thoughts and 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 see if this really resonates with you um Creamy snacks, like maybe ice cream or um, a frosted cupcake. That's said to soothe your craving to be nurtured and comforted. So do do, do you believe that, Kataka? Have you ever had cravings for these things? Were you able to really assess whether at that moment you were feeling any of these emotions?
1: Well, I mean, if you go back, what, what I have issue with, like, I don't like sweet that much. Yeah. What I would refer for is, like, salty stuff. Hmm. I kind of put it to, like, my past stuff, like, growing up in a household where, like, we never ate salt. Mm-hmm. And so, like, when, like, I ate salt for the first time, like, in food, like, it was, like, a, a cocaine moment, a drug moment. It's, like, wow. uh, that, that, that dopamine was, like, boom in my mm-hmm. brain. And I find myself like I would, that's the only craving I would have is for something like a salty mm. and uh, yeah, something salty. Oh,
0: so you blame it on your Rastafari? No, working. no, what
1: I mean, like the information you just brought forward, now. If no, you no, could, if, if no, you I'm could, not, I, if so, you could, salty helps to redirect feelings, feelings of, of anger, anger. And frustration, and yeah. violence. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, so I think for me, so. I have violent tendencies and I <laughs> mask them with eating salty snacks. I have to admit I know. to be honest with you, it's, it's real because sometimes for me, I get frustrated mm. because what I get frustrated the most sometimes is just the state of our society. Like, even like sometimes I might sit down here because I always like researching and thinking about stuff and ways to, you know, do stuff and so on. And I might just look at our economic system and look at the injustice and inequality of the capitalist society and money force and sometimes people are suffering by putting put in money force. And that just make me get sick. I just get real crazy and mad. I want to get violent and just go and burn down the place. And the grains. And then I uh, have to pull, pull for my grains to kind of bring me back to, to reality and kind of hold me back and and, and channel out Aww. that anger for, for, for me not to go out into the society and just create anarchy. So, no, I'm, I'm being real. So I, I this is knowledge to me now that gives me a little bit insight to see. I don't have problem with the sweet stuff. So sweet helps to satisfy the need to give and to receive love. Are good in that regard. Um the crunchy snacks helps to alleviate anxiety. Well, yeah, the crunchy and the snacks, so I could say, yeah. So the salty and the crunchy. That is, where, that is where I'm at. What about you Leslie? I find you trying to throw out my my dirty laundry. But I don't see you crunching and snacking on them and coconut all the time. So what has why the book you, why, why what has the what has the book said about that?
0: Alright, so um so I don't know where co coconuts. I but guess for crunchy
1: crunchy. So you have to help to alleviate the, yes, the anxiety, anxiety and, and, social and social pressure. pressure. Let's do what you open up to me, Leslie. What's going on? What's going on with you?
0: Anxiety and social pressure. Um, well, being a commentator was that that night was actually a little a little anxiety um, provoking, but I already had eaten the the coconuts, so it didn't help to alleviate it.
1: Yeah, I mean, for me, I think as well, too, it's very important for us to, what I'm really gathering from this, Mm -hmm. it's very important for us to be able to understand ourselves, to see and to be able to look at the habits and the patterns that start to develop that would kind of promote certain behaviors. I'm I'm telling you, I don't really want you to be knocking that shit too much. It's a little bit of studio etiquette. But yeah, I mean, it's important because I think that's the first step to be able to unlock ourselves from the grips of some of those vicious habitual cycles because yeah. it, 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 it I'm, I, I could remember from since school days i do not from since school days i have been a salty snacker that isn't one of my that is, that is the only time certain things just filter into my my system i mean i smoke marijuana occasionally And I I consume some alcoholic beverages occasionally as well, my rivers. Um, But apart from that, you know, that is like the most little, you know, the traces of impurities that come in on the system, you know. Um, So for me, it's understanding that and then developing and and, and, and the will and the system in place where you could kind of move away and to, to, to get the strength to gradually limit and to, to step into a better position where you could feed yourself things that promote only life and, and wellness in your body?
0: Yeah, because um, food is to nourish you, right? Food is to fortify you and um, to alleviate hunger. Snacking is to medicate. Your emotions. So that's a distinguish. That's to be distinguished um, because humans are the only animal species that actually snack. Animals don't snack, plants don't snack, they only eat to satisfy their hunger.
1: But but and it takes us to an important point you know, and it takes us to the fact of like those things, uh, because imagine that eh? if if we really go to the root of it, a lot of the snacks that we eat is things that were created in a lab to, to keep us addicted, you know. Exactly. Like when we really break it down, like those things are like this nice high level food science of chemical reactions that, you know, we are being you know, Drawn deeper and deeper into the depths of addiction. I think we talk about like addiction in terms of like, okay, cocaine, crystal meth, marijuana, and so on. But I think a real big aspect is food addiction, and we really focus on it because sometimes you like, you can't even help it. And those things are not of our traditional diet. You know, I think like I would sort of advise individuals and so on, like, eat a mango or banana so instead of like, like snack because sometimes you now it's like a vicious, vicious cycle. So I have to just like, do have no money at home at all and don't buy no snacks, because it's it's sometimes so hard. Even for me sometimes, like I might have a mango there and it's like the grains calling me. It's like the grains calling me more to water and for the grains. You understand? Because greens is my favorite snack. Greens. I'm not working with them. This is not a promotion, <laughs> but it's like one of my favorite, favorite snacks. And I would run through some greens for you in like less than no time. In
0: less than an hour, like <laughs> about three packs.
1: <laughs> More than the serving size. But, you know, I think back to the point, not the street, you know, but it's very important for us to really study our history. You know, study what, because, you know, like, I always wondered, like, how the, the Maasai and different tribes was able to maintain that level of, of fitness. And there you are know, certain tribes in Africa were able, that were able to walk for miles upon miles, run down lion, and and, and and build us amazing pyramids and do so much of things. You know with the same physical bodies that we have now and when like now we have people who like you know the the prevalences of a lot of chronic illnesses now has been skyrocketing every year every 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 year things just keep going up going up going up and for me i think now comes for a revolutionary time where we really need to study about our ancestry and really return to our roots of eating how our ancestors eat because you have to understand our biochemistry our physical structure And the climates that we live in as well and the nature of our lifestyle and how important it is to to put more fruits and leafy vegetables and all the colors of the rainbow in our body as opposed to a lot of the meat and salt and dairy and processed foods.
0: And things that don't digest well, that make us sick and sluggish, make us constipated, um, make our skin Um, breakout, our hair brittle. I mean, the list goes on and on. So yes, we definitely need to be mindful of what we put into our bodies, mindful of how we feel, um, triggers that cause us to crave certain foods. Um, how the food that we eat, how it makes us feel because, you know, like when you eat grains, like really honestly, how do you feel afterwards?
1: But well, before I eat grains, I feel pretty good, you know, because <laughs> it's like one of my favorite snacks. But after I eat it, like it's, I could feel it, the after effect on the, the sluggish, it's like you had it up and you have this serious donut. Mm-hmm. It's like, you're so excited. And then after a while, it's like, womp, womp, yeah. womp, as opposed to like when I drink a smoothie or something where I'm like energized and full of life and vitality, you know. But again, it's breaking cycles and breaking habits, you know. But I think it's important and for us to really like continuously strive to learn and to improve that strength. But I think we have also have a clip from another of the Afro vegan chefs, yes. who you know has been championing the cause for like keeping the traditions alive and ensuring that you know, you know, people understand you know the root and and and, and to get that touch, that touch and taste and up close and personal feel. Of you know the African flair and the African origin and the African twist on like the plant-based you know vegan cuisine, and um, the next clip is from. Shanique, um, who is a very, I mean, Shanique's work is amazing. I mean, on Instagram every day, I'm like on her feed, scrolling down, checking out her stuff, seeing what else she's cooking up. She's so creative, so talented, and it's awesome to have her on the the podcast. So next clip is from Shanique as she, you know, dives into like, you know, her journey and, you know, like, what it means to her, you know, in terms of like being a, a Afro, you know, vegan chef, and, her, and her, why she decided to to really like brand and distinguish herself in that regard.
3: Hey everyone, it's Sanique, aka Sajeto on Instagram. I'd like to thank Roots International for inviting me to participate in this discussion. So the topic at hand is why the differentiation of Afro-veganism is important to our culture. Why not just vegan? And I think merging the two terms, Afro and veganism, is important because it's a form of finding a way for us to connect with others who are interested or can relate to the food and culture that is being presented. And innately, I think we differentiate ourselves even in the way, like if you think about it, or even just observe, in the way that we cook and dance, walk and talk amongst each other. It's completely different, you know? So when it comes to veganism, I'm really not surprised that we express ourselves and our creativity differently from other groups. And, you know, personally speaking... I'm Jamaican. I know you can't tell from my voice, <laughs> but I am. So naturally, I'm reaching for the curry, the spices, the fresh thyme, planting coconut, mango, all those things, you know? All those tropical things and foods from the earth. Because that's what I grew up on. That's what my mom, my family grew up on. And, you know, even transitioning to veganism or plant-based diet... Um, it's something that I carried with me because I still wanted my food to have those same spices and seasonings and flavors, you know, cause that's just how I like my food. <laughs> and I think a lot of people can relate to that. So, you know, now we're talking about Jamaica and veganism and, you know, this has existed in our community and on the little island of Jamaica, you know, under, Rastafarianism or idle eating, and it's the concept or understanding of how to live harmoniously with nature, eating the food that nature, um, you know, produced for us, and, you know, it's it's something that I hold dear to me because it not only is a part of our um, culture, it's just something so basic, so innate, you know, and um, it's something that I really just want to carry uh, with me and continue its legacy. But, um, you know, whether you call it um, Afro, Black, Jamaican, Haitian, Caribbean, vegan, Rastafarianism, you know, I think I still think there's a movement happening that's inspiring more people, whether to just be healthy, healthier, um, to just be their better selves, whether it's to, you know, build businesses and have restaurants, become entrepreneurs, um, you know, or even become scientists and study health. Look at the legacy um, the the people that we can look up to that look like us, like Dr. Sebi, Layla Africa, May They Rest in Peace, um, Joel Pugram or uh Moata Ashby, if I'm pronouncing his name correctly, um, you know, basically teaching us um, you know, the the what we've been taught in regards to eating and diet, it's it's, it's something that ha- it hasn't been working for us, you know? And they're teaching us how to practice self-preservation, you know, to live at our best selves. And, you know, I think ultimately the progression comes from this collectiveness and collaborations and networking um, that we're doing to find like-minded individuals, you know, with similar goals, so Afro Afro veganism is growing. I know this from personal experience. Like I've met um, other vegans, or other Black vegans, who own their own businesses, um, and have felt the support and love from their own people, and to just um, be so inspired and continue to provide their information and services. It's really. It's really motivating. It's it's like a really good feeling. So in the end, I think it's important. And I also think it's important to understand that we're not asking for permission or acceptance and validation. We just want to exist. We want to be prideful in ourselves. We want to connect. We want to collaborate. We want to build our own communities. Um, you know, there weren't that many black vegans, and now, before, you know, just a few years ago, or, you know, sharing their, uh, ideas or information on their platforms, now there's a plethora of, (laughs) of vegans and information that you can use, um, so, um, So to me, it's okay to want to be healthy and healthier. It's okay to revive the old ways of life, living harmoniously with nature, to unlearn and relearn, create new traditions, new and better ways of life. So yes, I think it's important to differentiate ourselves because we have to do what's best for us.
0: Yeah, um, I I, I love... Everything that she does. I mean, she is really amazing. And um, I really can relate to a lot of what she had to say because I do believe, as people of color, um, especially when you are transitioning to a plant based diet, it's really important to incorporate the flavors that you like. You know what I mean? Like, um, Jerk cauliflower as opposed to jerk chicken. Um, you know, losing the spices and the peppers and the seasonings that your, that your mom used to create your favorite dish. Like you recreate that, but just with a, with a plant-based recipe.
1: Well, for me, I just put it very simple. Cooking vegan or plant-based really shows who could cook and who can cook. True. really separates the sheep from the goat. Because you, you 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 no longer can 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 rely on the salty texture and so on. I mean I've not ate, eaten meat so I'm just talking based on imagination and what I've heard from people <laughs> oh, But um in terms of like being able to to make the food not only Tasty, but visually appealing, because scientifically it's it's it's, and that's where some of the food scientists wins, because they have that brightly colored package, all the color psychology working on you to really sort of stimulate your appetite. The smell, the textures, mm-hmm. the taste, the flavor, everything comes in you know, and comes, you know, needs to culminate to create that you know amazing gastronomical experience. You know, <laughs> I'm dipping into that vocabulary, so I think it's 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 very vital, and I think like. People are always also have like a kind of misconception that you know veganism a uh, eating plant based or I all or whatsoever it's is boring, boring and is lame. It's, doesn't just, taste good, it's just it's, it's just it's just a pile ass. of or grass yeah. to eating. But I think like people like Shanique and people like even short to radical Ro- Rose eats and Nutmeg Princess and mm-hmm. other people who we have within our network that really be going hard on those recipes. You know, yeah. Gloria uh, Gloria out in France and and so on like Akamoon and everyone who like goes an extra mile to make the food more sexy and appealing and tasty and flavorful. So it's like when you're eating that food from those vegan chefs, it's like you're not missing anything.
0: Yeah, because truly we do, um, we eat with our eyes first, right? So when something looks really appetizing, really appealing, it makes you, you know, you go in. And then when it tastes good, then you're like in heaven, And I have to say that their food not only looks good, but it tastes amazing.
1: And guys, I have to confess as well, like even Leslie for this this recent time has been surprising me as well in terms of her culinary skills. Shanique and guys, I think you guys have some stiff competition from Leslie right now. Ah, Leslie Leslie B going in. Leslie make a pumpkin the other day. The pumpkin was flames. Kalaloo today, Kalaloo was on fire, you know, so like I think like even now the COVID-19 has even given a lot of people the opportunity to really dip down into their culinary repertoire <laughs> and really like pull out some of the skills, you know, but I mean this episode for me was very dear to me because I think it's important for us to understand that you know, slavery was a real interruption in our history as African people. And it really upset a lot of things and create patterns and habits within us as a, as a culture and a, as a race, as an ethnic group that is not of our true history. is not a part of who we are. It is, it is like a virus, It's like a download, And it is the source of a lot of problems and issues that we're facing right now. You know, because before slavery in West Africa, our diet consisted heavily of plant-based foods. The fruits and the greens and so on. Meat was either not on the menu or eaten occasionally in very small portions as a stew. The the Africans back then consumed no dairy products. Having access and knowledge and the freedom to grow wholesome foods allowed them not only to live longer but to thrive while doing so. You know, Scientific studies have also proven that following a plant-based diet has proven beneficial in lowering your risk of multiple ailments. You understand? So for me, it's like having been equipped with that kind of knowledge and seeing what our... If we really go back into the real authentic annals of history, to see what those civilizations was able to achieve holistically, I think that is enough to be able to inspire us to really return to our roots. And to really like tap into that and not continue to perpetuate the virus that has been hacked into our system. And I think for me, Leslie, something that was very dear to me as well is like sometimes I hear people talking about. Oh, you know, diabetes running in the family and, you know, high blood pressure running in the family and all this thing. And I, I just I just take that with a pinch of salt. Yes. Because I don't feel, my, for my thing is like. You could reverse those things if you break the cycle of eating. You're eating the same thing that your grandmother was eating. Exactly. That is why you're catching diabetes too, because you're eating the same food that yeah. your grandfather ate so in.
0: It's, it's not so, so much, you know, hereditary. It's more behavioral, right? Because families tend to pass down recipes and eating habits from person to person. Hence, so if grandma, you know, was eating ham hock and chitlins, and macaroni blo- pudding. And blood pudding. And blood pudding. And manicure, and and, and... And, and rice every day. And um what's another I, I don't even ham um, often and has hypertension and then you grow up in that same environment, eating those same things, then guess what, guys? You're more than likely to get hypertension as well because your diet is high in salt. You eat salt every day.
1: And for me, even if there is a, 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 a gene, a gene, a, a genetical connection, also as well, if you, if, you create the, 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 if you continue to follow the lifestyle, it's like you actually activating the genes even quicker. Because when they start to pour, in all the salt and all the sugar, it's like the genes is like, okay. The diabetes is like, okay, guys, we have a home. Let's come outside and, you understand? So it's like, I think, like, for me, like, it's like a broken record, but I think it's so important for us to learn, equip ourselves with the knowledge and information so we could really take charge of our health and really, like, connect to our ancestral practices, because we cannot run away from ourselves. Our roots is important, like you have to stay rooted. I mean, we say it a lot in roots, but even this episode is showing us more and more how much we have to stay rooted, rooted to the truth of you know who we are, where we come from, what we used to do, what had us at the top of civil and modern civilization in the world as we know it like what had our civilizations rise into the top. Even if you go into the, even the Chinese and the Indians and so on, certain societies, primarily some of the diets were not full of all the meat and so on. It's only recent times things that are kind of change up. You know, always drinking a lot of herbal teas and certain and certain things. So I think like I really appreciate like this episode as well to really reinforce the importance of, 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 of that plant-based living and plant-based lifestyle because I don't even like to call it a diet. Because that, con- that 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 and the it's connotation a frame, right? a and the connotation of it as well. Diet, the word "die" is in that, and we don't want to die. We want to live and thrive and be healthy. So it's about our lifestyle and being continuous and consistent with it.
0: I I, I couldn't agree more, and it's also about um, educating ourselves and learning about our ancestral practices and, and feeling proud of that and feeling a sense of coming home, right? Because here were these amazing people who lived long, who were healthy, who built civilizations, and who ate a primarily plant-based diets. So if I want to strive and I want to be healthy, and I want to live a long and meaningful life, then I need to do the same. And I really, really hope that this episode inspires many of our listeners, if not all, to really go out there and learn about the original African diet and utilize that knowledge to change and incorporate more plants into theirs
1: yeah and guys on that note you know we kind of winding down to the end of of you know the sixth episode of the rooted reasoning podcast it's important for us to support each other I mean there are books that I think you can you can reach out to us on hello dot where you can share you know sources share books and and so on um if you can follow us on instagram and roots facebook Roots international so we can you know develop the community share information share books and so on that we have so we can all help each other on the journey we also open to learning and and reading and and, and expanding our knowledge base and uh, again thank you guys for joining us and we hope that you guys continue to stay safe and to continue to strive towards living a healthier lifestyle under you know even the covid-19 situation things are kind of opening up now we're excited to <laughs> return back to normal um so you know, that's it for me here. Um, Kitaka signing out on rooted reasoning episode six.